Hi, I'm Max Kaiser. This is the Kaiser Report. And that's not Al Jazeera. If it was, I would throw shoes at the camera. I might hit the camera and massive damage, or the cameraman, and then he'd faint. Well, let's see how I'd... Oh, oh, it was, it was, see that kind of excitement you don't get everywhere. Anyway, Stacey. Actually, that's an important point coming forward in this about uh, shoe throwing, because, of course, remember, we invaded Iraq, and soon after that, when we went and declared victory and everything was all okay, some guy in the audience there in front of uh, George W. Bush threw a shoe at him. That's right. I'll do it again. <laughs> Here's what happened. Here's the guy. Remember? George W. He was talking there, and the guy went, okay, I got to... That was close. <laughs> well... Oh, we got insurance. That's going to come up in this story because it's a very important point about the hierarchy of needs. Yeah. But we're going to start with this tweet here from the Washington Post's <clears throat> J Jeff Stein. And he's pointing to a remarkable fact from a piece from theatlantic.com. He, being Jeff Bezos, needs to spend roughly $28 million a day just to keep from accumulating more wealth. The Atlantic article he points to is Jeff Bezos' $150 billion fortune is a policy failure. Growing inequality in the United States shows that the game is rigged. Bezos collects a very small salary and pays only capital gains max, and yet Amazon also paid zero federal tax last year. He needs to spend $28 million a day to avoid paying federal tax. Just to prevent himself from accumulating more wealth. So just on his, he's earning 28, more than $28 million a day. Well, I mean, he's got um, an, a, a monopoly position. And uh, he is uh, milking that monopoly uh, quite um, ag aggressively. Uh, but nobody can compete with him. You know, he, Warren Buffett said that he ne never give someone like Jeff Se Je uh, Se uh, Bezos a seven-year head start. Uh, Walmart, uh, they're now trying to train their overworked, low-paid associates to make deliveries after work on their way home. That's their solution to Jeff Bezos. Well, he's, they're basically mimicking his model where many have already talked about it. We're not going to discuss that today, but where his workers are underpaid and also basically abused. They're, they well, they don't get bathroom breaks. Yeah. You know, they got a hernia yeah. just on a bathroom break because you had to do it fast uh, on there. Like I was severely, you know, constipated earlier and uh, I didn't get a hernia, that's but I, the, that's I, I found relief though. That's what the carnivore diet will do to you. That's that, what Jimmy okay. Song told me. I'm, when I see Jimmy <laughs> Song, I'm going to uh, have it uh, to, to talk about this. I don't feel right. But as the, importantly, the Atlantic uh, themselves refer to it as that this is the game is rigged. Kaiser Report, of course, has said this for the past ten years here, and then we get. Uh, like shunned by the U.S. media who are now saying, yeah, okay, basically Kaiser Report was right. All of this Jeff Bezos wealth happened under both Democrat and Republican administrations where this wealth and income gap grow. So I want to point to up there, right where Jeff Bezos' wealth comes from, the whole East Coast, the Pacific West Coast, um, I think I might have said East Coast at first, but I meant the West Coast. And it says... East Coast, West Coast. You know, it reminds me of Tupac and Biggie. You know, they had a serious war going on, and, you know, Tupac was murdered. So this is uh, Jeff Bezos over on the West Coast. It's the new form of affordable housing, 
more people are living in their cars. With rents on the rise, cities are grappling with a growing population of, quote, vehicular homelessness, a way of life considered illegal in many places. Across the West Coast, just in the past year, 20,000 more people joined the ranks of these homeless without any sort of shelter, not even in homeless shelters. So they're living in their cars or they're living on the streets in downtown San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, or Seattle. But what I want to point to regarding what you had started off the show by throwing I remember. your shoes. I remember it distinctly, and I'm out of shoes. I only have two feet. I can't do it again. And the point is, why did we invade Iraq? Because I'm going to get into that after this quote. This is a quote from Sarah Rankin, a professor at Seattle University of Law. And she says, what do we do with people whose basic physiological needs are not being met. That means like what I was referring to earlier about constipation. Exactly. Well, in fact, she said, goes on to say, when we think about people who are living in their vehicles, are they able to sleep, eat, poop, and breathe safely? We have to start asking what needs to be done. So here's right, well, let me, let me answer the question as Jeff Bezos would. You go to Amazon.com and you can get a vehicular model that has a poop attachment right there in the vehicle. A toilet? Yeah, a toilet, exactly. So it, precisely, we've reinvented the toilet. It's right there in the vehicle. So, okay, and it's got a layaway plan. So you just, if you're Amazon Prime, you know, he'll ship it to you by drone. And you could be living in your poop mobile, you know, in the next 20 hours. And he'll make another, you know, billion dollars. And uh, life is great in America. So, you know, let's give him credit where credit is due. So here's an economy where Jeff Bezos earned over $50 billion this year alone, in the first six months of this year. To put that into context, Jack Ma is worth less than what? Jeff Bezos earned just this year. So that's the context of how much this guy is earning in one year. In the meantime, the entire West Coast, where he and his resistant sorts, like, you know, remember Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, where democracy dies in darkness and the resistance is strong. And yet where they control much of the economy, people are living in cars and you know, these sort of professors at Seattle University are concerned about where these people are pooping. But the fact that she meant the physiological needs reminded me of Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is the bottom most basic need, physiological needs. Above that is safety. Of course, our government says that's their only concern is our safety, and that's why we have a trillion-dollar defense budget, right? and Homeland Security and TSA, who apparently follow Americans all over the place. Uh, but that's another story. And then above that is love, belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. Where's love come in? Uh, yeah, that's towards near, the top. Let me see towards that. Towards the top. We're looking good. I want more love in my the hierarchy of needs. You know who's not getting their physiological needs met? Julian Assange over there in the that's Ecuadorian right. embassy. If he dies, journalism dies. If Julian dies, we all die a little bit. We are all Julian Assange. Keep that in mind, sucker. But the point is I want to talk about is that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And here are thousands and tens of thousands of people, Americans on the West Coast, who, can't, who cannot meet those basic needs. Now, my sources tell me that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that chart there, is used by our U.S. intelligence agencies, 
Okay, remember, number two is defense and safety, right? Mm. Uh, that our own U.S. intelligence agencies use that chart when looking at when to start to topple or coup other governments. So if, like Haiti, when, when Haitians were eating mud pies, that's a good time to overthrow their government and install our own. Never let a crisis go to waste. Obviously, our elite are not stupid. Obviously, these journalists and, and, and people on cable news shouting know that these hierarchy of needs, that the uh, basic so physiological you're, you're needs... You're that Jeff Bezos has a war on people, that their no. physiological need is being exploited by the corporation to yeah. enlarge his monopoly because he ends up putting these people in these highly stressed positions. No, what I'm saying is the, the breakdown that we're witnessing and that you and I have been talking about here in Kaiser Report for the past year is that what they know, they know those if those basic physiological needs are not being met, that leaves the entire economy and political system vulnerable. They know that because that's how they look at other political systems. So they know we are vulnerable because of that. So th that's why they're coming up with all these. That's why there's a genuine panic. When you look at cable news, it is genuine panic. And I think this is part of it. Oh, you mean we're all uh, Palestinians. Hey, you know, it says here that, uh, you know, um, safety is number two. But that's obviously wrong because number two should be Wi-Fi. You know, that is definitely needed. And also, what's this at the top? Self-actualization. That's very Carl Jungian, isn't it? I mean, well, there's well, like a lot of psychobabble. Who wrote this? Like some academic Princeton grad student? No, no, no. That's from uh, decades ago. But the point is, obviously, like, once your basic physiological needs are met, once you can sleep and eat and poop, then you start to think about, okay, how do I make my house safe? Or how do I make my uh, economy or my community safe and then you then you're concerned about love and you see that across the world like you know the whole fact that we have these trigger warnings and safe rooms here that's a very high need like you it, that's a, a, an economy and a, a culture where the, everything is already taken care of for a certain sector of people so they ha have so to most of the world they look crazy because they're still worried about where they're going to poop that night think about philosophy that was in, almost invented by Descartes who simply, you know, got this entire pyramid chart down to, I think, therefore I am. And, like, that was all people had to go on for hundreds of years, you know, during the whole history of philosophy. Well, Now we're at this then. whole freaking pyramid that's being exploited by terrorists like Jeff Bezos, who's milking the system and buying influential newspapers and bribing politicians and creating a dystopian nightmare, people living in their cars so that he can... Like, he has more money than he would ever, I mean, he doesn't know what to do with it all. I mean, it's like he's hoarding, he's a hoarder. Those people who hoard phone books in their apartment and they're just, they, they, they can't live there anymore because there's nothing but phone books. This guy is like just surround, he's hoarding cash. There's nothing to do with it, he's just a hoarder. I want to quickly turn to the last headline, which I think ties together all of those growing wealth gap between young and old. Remember Jeff Bezos, newspaper Washington Post says democracy dies in darkness. And one thing you could say about democracy is, you know, the more vote you have, the more you win and the more you gain. And we've seen the baby boomers turning 65 as of, what, two or three years ago. And this growing wealth and income gap is really down to age. So they said that elderly households have much greater wealth than child households, which is to be expected because older households have had more time to accumulate wealth. The trouble lies in the growing gap between the two types of households. In 1989, elderly households had a median net worth that was approximately 3.8 times that of child households, i.e. households with children under 18. By 2013, 
their median net worth was now 12 and a half times as high as those with children under 18 in the household. Oh, heck yeah, whenever I see children approaching me for pennies and nickels, I, Scoot, get out of here, you scam, go away, you poor children. I'm, I'm the baby boomers, and we're not giving any away. But anyway, that point is that they, it, it, it's only natural that baby boomers would vote for policies that pro help them, i.e. house price booms and stock price booms, and it disenfranchised the bottom, you know, age groups, but this is this oh well, is what we're dealing with uh, now. Tough luck, buddy. Get a job, kids. Get a job. Well, we got to take a break for the second half. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Let's go to Boulder, Colorado, and speak with Michael Krieger of LibertyBlitzkrieg.com. Michael, welcome back. Hello, Max. It's great to be back on with you. All right, then, Colorado, home of the resistance. They're putting <laughs> up billboards for the GOP, but the O is replaced with a hammer and sickle. It's like a big red billboard. The Red Scare is on. Michael, you're, you're in Colorado. What's happening? Yeah, I saw, I saw that headline, and I just checked real quick to see where it was. It's apparently out in Grand Junction, and I'm not sure who's responsible for it, but Grand Junction's really far away. It's it's all the way in the western part of the state. Um, I'm not really even familiar with the area so much. So it's not like it was in Denver or Boulder or anything like that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just Russiagate. It's a, it's, it's a weapon, that's all. It's just a weapon of the establishment that they're trying to— they're trying to use to keep uh, their power and their relevance. That's it. I mean, it's it's such an obvious scam. I, I don't even know how anyone falls for it. But hey, that's the environment we're in. Right. Apparently, not enough people are falling for it because Trump's ratings are through the roof on the upside, and um, the Democrats aren't putting together any kind of opposition whatsoever. Uh, now, what is underlying this political derangement, Michael Krieger? It cable news ratings driven. We've made that point on the show before. Uh, is it just a part of natural insanity that befalls the ruling class during a disintegration of empire? Um, how, how would you? What? Where would you put this? Sure, ratings is is something that that you know keeps it alive for sure. But I definitely don't think that's the driver. I think your second um, your second assessment is absolutely you know hits the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. That's all it is. It needs to be seen in the context of a lot of different things. But primarily, uh, essentially, an empire, right, an imperial system that is being that has been run for decades now by donors and corrupt politicians and bureaucrats that have completely destroyed the country allocated all of the wealth and resources to a tinier and tinier sliver of the population, and that created a lot of animosity. And then the financial, you know, crisis and bailouts and how that was all handled was the final straw. And so, you know, as I've always, as I've said forever, a lot of people that voted for Trump don't really like Trump. It was just a middle finger. It was just a way to say, you know what, let's just, let's just try something new, even though this might be crazy and I'm not even sure it'll work out. Anything's better than the status quo. Anything's better than Hillary. And and then, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome in Russiagate is just a way for people in power or that were previously respected, quote unquote, to, to continue to be respected and in power. And the reason you know that's all it is, the, the one, the final proof beyond everything else, in my opinion, is the fact that you have neocons and establishment Democrats like Rachel Maddow joined at the hip now. You know, like these Max Boots, Bill Crystals, David Frums, like they're they're the resistance heroes now, or or as some like to call it the assistance, which I think is better. Um, so so that's what it is, and and it's crazy because you look at these, it's the biggest failures in American history coming together and 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 talking about Russia twenty four seven to try to. Re 
to continue to be relevant. It's like a, it's like cancer and herpes, you know, coming together and and getting on MSNBC with you know uh, tumors and uh, sores and telling you come to us, come to us, we'll save you from Putin. It's pathetic. Wow, that's not a pretty picture. Hey, you know, you mentioned uh, Bill Crystal there, and it is amusing that for a long time he was vilified as a warmonger, bloody Bill Crystal uh, by the left. And then uh, because they need a, an assassin, because they need someone with no moral or ethics at all, uh, the left decides to bring him up and say, well, here's our guy. You know, we'll sick him on you. We know he's dangerous. Uh, so they apparently have uh, no comp moral compass whatsoever. Now, your latest blog post reads, quote, U.S. tech giants are too big, too powerful, and now are running into serious trouble. Uh, we have Google being evil in China. We've got Facebook banning American anti-fascist activists and calling them Russians. Okay, what's going on? You used to work on Wall Street. You follow this stuff. What's going on? Sure. And, you know, I've been a huge proponent of social media, even though I haven't liked Facebook for a long time. I've been able to see that, for the most part, let's just take Facebook and Twitter. They have been reasonably neutral. I mean, they've been getting worse over the last few years, particularly after Trump won. But they have been platforms. And people have across the, you know, the sort of the... Uh, you know, the digital public square. And so people throughout, you know, society have been able to say whatever they want on these platforms. And again, Trump winning is what changed everything as far as politicians view of these platforms, because now they realize that, oh, no, when the rabble is allowed to talk to each other and say whatever they want, we lose control of the narrative. And then we can't install whatever presidential puppet we want. And so that's a total freak out. And and so now you're you're dealing with a combination of two things with these tech giants. One, they're so enormous they're almost like governments in themselves. And then two, these plat pl Facebook in particular and Twitter are platforms that allowed people to make decisions on current events on their own. And politicians are now very upset about that. So they're just going to start saying everything that is not a mainstream media approved talking point is is somehow linked to Russia. And as you mentioned, these activists in DC had their had their page removed by Facebook. These are American citizens because Facebook decided to they wanted to appease politicians and call it linked to Russia. It, it harkens back to, if you recall, the Arab Spring uh, that was called the Facebook Revolution. People are out in the street. Mubarak was overthrown. And uh, within a year or so, the U.S. came back in and reinstalled Mubarak, basically, um, uh, along those lines. So that was a clear indication that this whole democratization of communication and the democracy spreading from the loins of American entrepreneurialism was fake news. That was a fake story. But I just focused for a second on, you, you, you touched on it there, um, the Facebook banning these anti-fascists. So there were fascists, there were neo-Nazis on Facebook, and then a group emerged to confront the Nazis, and Facebook banned the Nazis, uh, banned the anti-Nazis, and then um, uh, Maddow picked up the story as if uh, somehow this is tied into Russia, right? So mainstream media echoing a, a blatant miscarriage of free speech in the name of a hoax called Russiagate. Um, right. Tell us, tell us, go ahead. Do you want, you want to comment on that? So two points on that. First of all, if you looked at what Facebook did the other day, right, with, with banning these 32 pages or so across their platforms, 
Um, they said specifically, we cannot link these to Russia. That's what they said. And then, of course, Mark Warner, you know, who's this big Russia gator, Democrat from Virginia senator, um, he comes out and says, see, this is proof that the Kremlin is continuing to meddle with our democracy. Yet Facebook themselves said they couldn't tie it to Russia. So that's what happens is some, you know, Facebook gives them a little bit of a breadcrumb and then they start making up stories linking it to Russia. It's absolute madness. But here's where it also gets interesting. Um, in that piece that you're referring to in Gizmodo, um, you know, these activists were trying to figure out, well, what makes you think these things are suspicious? And apparently it has to do with um, people running these pages using VPNs or Tor. And then the question was asked to Facebook, well, is that what you're saying? If someone uses a VPN or Tor that they're automatically, you know, have to be Russian and Facebook wouldn't respond. They wouldn't give any other re reasons that they thought it was suspicious. So it's a really, it's a really sketchy time we live in now where Facebook is under tremendous political pressure to find what politicians want them to find. And in the process, you know, if a few activists get steamrolled and we get less free speech, who cares, right? That story that came out this week about air marshals on flights who are now following people off the plane. They, they innocent people, they have no reason to suspect them, but they're just following them uh, as part of this expansion of the surveillance state. And the definition, perhaps, of why they did follow them would be, well, they looked funny. They, they were agitated. So now you've got a secret police force in America following people without uh, notification. And uh, who, who is benefiting by all this, uh, Michael Krieger? Yeah, there you go. Right. So it's the Quiet Skies program that the Boston yeah. Globe wrote about. Yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy. You read about this. And the good thing, the only good news is that a lot of this is coming out because employees of the federal air marshal program are, are, are doing this job, this work. And they're saying to themselves, this is crazy. Why are we doing this? We're spying on other citizens. In one case, I don't know if you if you saw this, but they were tracking a Southwest Airlines uh, flight attendant. And they're just like, what are we doing? So it's become so absurd now that at least some of the people being paid to spy on their fellow citizens are saying, this is crazy. I don't want to do this anymore. But you make the bigger point, which is that it's all about social control. If you look at the trends in America, and it continues to this day, um, the, the, the overarching corporate government establishment is obsessed with keeping the citizenry in line, keeping them scared, keeping them surveilled, making sure that they can't, you know, get out of this Overton window of, of conversation. You know, as Chomsky said, the best the best way to keep people passive and obedient is to allow lively de debate within a very narrow range of issues, but not outside of those issues. And that's essentially what Facebook is now trying to do to, to the American public. Yeah, I noticed that. You can see it, uh, you know, just anecdotally in America's humor. Uh, the late night comics and things like this they're they're not funny anymore they they actually get up and they do uh tragedy or there was a, a case of a woman who switched from doing stand up comedy to stand up tragedy you know and the one thing about you know nazi germany for example is that there wasn't a lot of stand up comedy at that uh, you know in berlin uh, during those years uh you know this this is what happens when people lose their soul and lose their um, perspective on life. They become these humorless drones working for the surveillance state, and it, you can see it in the complete lack of humor in Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon, who've now become just puppets for the state, sadly. Now, tell us more about Google being evil in China. 
Yeah, so this is another really interesting thing where, as I mentioned with the federal air marshals, some of them are rebelling. You know, Google's had a bit of a saga recently where their executives um, in particular are very aggressively pushing closer collaboration with government. So if you recall, Project Maven is a drone a AI program that Google has, has with the Pentagon. And uh, they actually, a lot of Google employees resigned publicly because they were so disgusted with Google doing that. And, and there was a huge protest within Google from, from other employees. And Google actually had to backtrack that. But what you saw from leaked emails is that Google executives were, were wanted to do it. You know, they were trying to, you know, basically propagandize their employees to say it was okay. Um, so the what, what you see now is an interesting split between some ethical Google employees and Google executives who have absolutely no morals whatsoever. And their recent push, broken by uh, the story was broke by the Intercept yesterday, is to specifically create an app in China, a Google app that will will adhere to every single censorship request the authoritarian Chinese government wants, uh, including banning any searches related to human rights, democracy, free speech, Tiananmen Square, images will be blocked. So my point was essentially, if Google goes through with this, Google will be directly helping an authoritarian foreign government maintain its grip on power for money. That's a big, big deal. And people need to be aware of that. that's very disturbing. Right. Uh, we have about 30 seconds left. Can you uh, talk about Jeff Bezos here? He's worth $150 billion, made $50 billion uh, just over the past uh, few uh, year alone. What's wrong with this, good or bad, Michael Krieger? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that, that Bezos and Amazon are one of the biggest threats we actually face right now in this country. Because if you read some of the literature on what they're trying to do, they're not just trying to sell you stuff on the internet. They're trying to control commerce completely by controlling the platforms of commerce. And of course, in China, they have that new social score. It's like a, Rudy, a, a Moody's index for people. So uh, if you uh, look sideways at a, a, a policeman, you can't get on an airplane. Anyway, Michael Krieger, uh, you're so chock full of goodies. We're going to keep you on for a second segment, if that's okay with you. Sounds wonderful. Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser, and Stacey Herbert. We want to thank our guest, Michael Krieger. If you want to catch us on Twitter, it's Kaiser Report. That's it for now. Bye, y'all.